Well, we're in week two of a brand new series called Love to the End, and we're studying John 13 through 17, which is famously known as the Upper Room Discourse. This is Jesus' last conversation with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And our theme verse for this series is John 13:1, an amazing statement of Jesus' love for us. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. It could be translated, he loved them to the utmost. That's Jesus' love for us. us. Last week we saw that this was a love that serves. We saw Jesus humble himself and take a towel and wash his disciples' feet. More importantly, we saw how Jesus took a cross, humbled himself, taking a cross to wash away our sins. And uh, how we too are blessed, even as Jesus loved and served us, to go and love and serve others. That was last week. Next week, pretty pumped, Scott is going to be talking about how Jesus made a way for us. How Jesus made a way for us to God. And maybe you've wrestled with this question, is Jesus the only way to God? I'm sure we'll be looking at that next week as well. Well, today, we're going to pick up our Love to the End series in John 13, 18. So I want to invite you, if you have a Bible, if you have an iPhone app, a Bible app, open that up to John chapter 13, verse 18. We're going to be reading this story today, continuing through the series. John 13, 18. And what we're going to see today is that Jesus predicts big trouble. Two betrayals from two friends in a single night. This is big time trouble that Jesus is looking at and talking about today. And I can't help but think about October 7th, 2nd, 2016. We can pull up a picture. This is one of my last youth events. Ten years of youth ministry, one of my last events, October 2016. We took a group of high school and middle school students. We took their parents and some youth workers to the Denver Rescue Mission in downtown Denver. And we served about 900 meals to the poor and the hungry. It was an awesome time. And when we were done serving, we all got back together in this break room, made sure everyone was there, snapped a few pictures. And you're going to want to pay attention to the kid with the big thumbs up. Do any of you have someone, like a child in your life that you have to pay attention to? Okay, he's the one. (laughs) And so we snapped the picture. Everybody's there. We literally put our aprons away, grab our stuff, and head out. You know, and we're in the city, so we're walking to our cars. And we get three or four blocks away, and suddenly we get a call from the, that boy. His name's Michael. He's calling in tears because we left him. <laughs> Ten years of youth ministry. I've never left a child. This is one of my last events. And I don't know what happened. He got distracted. But he, he was not there. So he's like, he's like, you left me. So we all went back. And um, this, was a, this was a dinner we served. So you have to understand, he, he freaked out when he didn't see us. And he ran out the door looking for us. And it's, it's dark. It's downtown Denver. There are hundreds of homeless people around. And he's just, he starts crying and shaking. He's got the apron on still, you know, and the hairnet. And he's just saying, you left me, you left me. 
All I could say was, I'm so sorry I left you. Number two, we're going to get Krispy Kremes. And you can have whatever you want. And you've never had Krispy Kreme before. I don't know. Do you guys have Krispy Kremes out there? It's like hot donuts, you know. And you know that hot donut is going to put a smile on his face. And it did. But for a moment there, in that moment, it was like shock. It was betrayal. How, you're my youth pastor. How could you do this to me? Just being at a loss. And I, I couldn't help but think about that as we look at this scripture today because that's what Jesus and his friends are facing in John 13. They're, they're facing shock. They're facing betrayal. And they're facing the kind of big time trouble that leaves you at a loss. And I don't know what trouble you're facing today. Um, whether there is trouble in your life today. But I know there are people here today that are facing big-time trouble. Kind of trouble that you don't understand or doesn't make sense. And maybe today it's your finances. And it's financial trouble. And the bills are coming in and the bills are adding up. And you don't know where the money is going to come from. And you're at a loss. Or maybe it's trouble with a marriage. And the longer you're together, the more distant you become. And you don't know if it'll ever get better. And you're at a loss. Or maybe you've tried and tried and tried for something. A promotion. A pregnancy. Maybe one of our students, a passing grade. You tried and tried. And no matter how hard you try, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And you're at a loss. We all face trouble in our life. Trouble can come, we don't understand it, it doesn't make sense, and it leaves us at a loss. That's what I want to talk to you about today. What do we do? What I see in the story that we're about to read is that Jesus and his friends are facing big-time trouble. Two betrayals in a single night. And just like us, trouble can hit, can leave you at a loss. And here's the encouragement that I have for you and what we're going to see in this story. We're going to see that even when it feels like we're at a loss, because of Jesus and his love for us, we're not at a loss. And that's the encouragement that I have for you today. No matter what you're facing in your life, because of Jesus, because of his love for you and his love to the end, you're never at a loss. And that's my encouragement to you today. So we're going to read this, this section together, John 13, 18 through 14, 1. We're going to see what's going on and then talk about it together. We'll pray and dive in. So John 13, 18, we'll read it together and dive in. This is Jesus speaking, and he's talking about betrayal, this coming betrayal. And he says, there's somebody that's, that's going to betray me. John 13, 18, Jesus says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen, but this is to fill, fulfill this passage of Scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask which one he means. 
Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Judas took the bread, Simon entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus had said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. And when he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And if God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My little children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you that we can be together. Um, we're thankful for your word. We can come and and you can encourage us and strengthen us even for the difficulties we face in life. So I pray that, that today, God, that as we look at this word, as we look at what, what you went through and, and your, your friends and followers, I pray that you'd strengthen us for, for the journey that we face. God, we ask that you would lead us and guide us in this time. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, first point here today, number one, we saw in, in this passage that we just read, um, something that stood out to me, is that trouble can leave you at a loss. And trouble will come. Sometimes we think, oh, I gave my life to Jesus. So now it's unicorns and rainbows, right? Uh, not so much, huh? Trouble will come. And we don't always understand. Angie and I were talking about this scripture this week, and she pointed me to, um, to something she had read in a devotional last week from Paul Tripp's New Morning Mercies. I don't know if any of you have looked at that or read that, um, but it was really good. I want to share this with you. This is from the devotional, January 14th. Um, Paul Tripp writes this. He says, even though you're a person of faith who has acquired some degree of biblical literacy and theological knowledge, uh, which is just to say, like, hey, you've been going to church for a while um, but there's one thing you can be sure of. God will confuse you. And there will be moments when you simply don't understand what's going on. Have any of you been there in your life? I have. Oh my goodness. And what's amazing about this story that we've just read and, is that here are the disciples in John 13. If anybody knew Jesus, it was the disciples. And so here are the disciples. They've had... They've been walking with Jesus. They've had these revelations of God. They've got insights into the scripture. And trouble hits. And they're just at a loss. 
And I hope today that makes you feel a little bit better. <laughs> Help me. I'm like, you know, if, if the disciples, the people closest to Jesus, were confused by what was going on in their life, then, you know, maybe it's okay for us sometimes when trouble hits if we're at a loss and it doesn't make sense to us. And I just want to say this. Just know this. The trouble will, become, will come. And like Paul Tripp said, there will be moments in your life where you just don't understand. And so I want to show you that from the text. Let's, let's look at the text. Um, trouble, there's trouble number one and trouble number two. And I'm not referring to my children. Um, trouble number one is the betrayal of Judas. So who was Judas? I mean, Judas is like it just gives you the heebie-jeebies. You're like, ah, I mean, he's this dark character, right? He's this, he's, he's this dark character that sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. He goes to Jesus and betrays him with a kiss. And he hands Jesus over to the authorities who are going to arrest him, try him, sentence him to death, and nail him to a cross. And Judas is the one that puts all that into motion. But have you ever thought about who was Judas before the betrayal? Isn't it crazy? Judas was a follower of Jesus. Judas was one of the twelve. He was someone who was with Jesus night and day. He's someone who had paid a price. Someone who had left everything behind to follow him. He was, he was someone that went out and did ministry with Jesus. He went out preaching the gospel with the 12 disciples. He cast out demons. He performed miracles in Jesus' name. That was Judas. Judas, as we read, had, he was in charge of the finances and the money. Who do you put in charge of the money? Isn't it someone you trust? Who was Judas to Jesus before the betrayal? He was a brother. He was a friend, a close friend. He was a confidant. And so when, when Jesus begins to speak about his betrayal, he, he says this is fulfilling scripture and he quotes um, a scripture. This is verse 18. Jesus says, but to fulfill this passage of scripture, he who shared my bread has turned against me. And I went and I looked it up. It's Psalm 41.9. This is how Jesus was feeling in that moment. He said, even my close friend, I don't know if we have that, He's in Psalm 41.9, even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has turned against me. Can you imagine the shock, right, of that moment? What? So Jesus is trying to prepare them. Verse 19 says, I'm telling you before it happens, so that when it does happen, you'll believe that I am who I am. There's all this emotion rising to the surface. And what's, what's amazing is Jesus is showing his emotion. Verse 21, after Jesus said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, one of you is going to betray me. You see the emotion? And the disciples, look. Look at the disciples, verse 22. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. Can you just... Put yourself in that room. Jesus says, somebody's going to betray me. And the disciples, all they can do is stare at one another. Have you ever had something come into your life where you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, you're just staring at a loss? That's what these guys are facing. 
So Peter nudges John. John asks Jesus, who is it? Jesus says, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And I was wondering about this. What is that like dipping it in the bread? What is that all about? Culturally, for Jesus to take a piece of bread and dip it and hand it to somebody, culturally that was a sign of love and affection. And isn't it amazing that Jesus would love even Judas all the way to the very last moment? That's the love of Jesus. As he extends the piece of bread to Judas, offering his love. But what happens to Judas? Verse 30. I'm sorry. As soon as Judas took the bread, continuing on, Satan entered him. So Jesus said, what you're about to do, do quickly. And Judas, instead of surrendering to the love of Christ, he ends up surrendering to the darkness. And then verse 30, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. And when he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified. And it's all in motion. And he's talking about the glory that comes through the cross. And that's trouble. Trouble can come. Can we view it a loss? Trouble one. Trouble two. First Judas, then Peter. We're just going to keep walking through this, this passage. The conversation continues. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I'm going, you cannot come. And then you heard Jesus give the command to love one another. We'll pick that up uh, in just a few minutes. But continuing on, verse 36, Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't follow me now. But you will follow later. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is hopeful for Peter? He has hope for him. You're not going to follow today, but guess what? Later, you'll follow now and and Peter is restored. He does come back. And Peter asks, Lord, why can't I follow you now? He's struggling to make sense of it. I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. One night, two betrayals. Peter, you guys hear his passion there? I'll lay down my life for you. Peter with all his passion. Peter, the rock. Peter, a leader of the 12. Even Peter is not going to last through the night. Isn't that crazy? And what does he say? I'll lay down my life for you. No. No, Peter, you won't. In fact, it's the exact opposite, isn't it? Jesus is going to lay down his life for us. Jesus is going to lay down his life for friends who have failed him, and betrayed him for the Peters and the Judases and all the disciples that ran away, Jesus says, I will lay down my life for you. And he lays down his life for us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be with Jesus forever. That is the unshakable, never stopping, never giving up love of Jesus. He loves us to the end. Amen. Trouble, trouble comes. Trouble can leave you at a loss. Just like we read, sometimes you're just not going to understand. And there will be moments in your life 
where you don't, it doesn't make sense, and you're at a loss. Well, I said uh, there's hope, so <laughs> encouragement, and uh, here we go. This is my encouragement, and this is what I saw in this passage is that even when you're at a loss, because of Jesus, you will always, always, always have two things. So even when nothing makes sense in your life, even when you're at a loss and you're staring like the disciples out into space and nothing makes sense, even when you're at a loss because of Jesus, because of his unfailing love for you, you will always have two things. Number one, you will always have Christians who love you. Isn't that awesome? And that's the kind of house this is. This is a family of people who love each other. And something that I love is that even when life is difficult and hard, Jesus issued a command on his way to heaven. And he said, you will always have a family of Christians who love you. So I know it feels like a loss, but you're not at a loss. There are Christians who love you. John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, not by your logos, not by your bullhorn, not by your whatever, by your love, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So I want to take a minute here, and I want to teach an important discipleship tool right now about love. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? This is so important. This isn't about a religion. We're not here to somehow earn our favor with God. We're here for one reason. And that's we're here to follow Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? What does that look like? It's as simple as this. It's as simple as love. And it's as simple as up, in, and out. And I want to share this with you. This is so important. If we could put a third banner on the wall, I would put this on the wall. Because this is what it means to follow Jesus. And it's easy to remember. It's up, which is loving God. Sorry, let's, let's go back to that triangle. Yeah, it's in, which is loving one another. And it's out, which is loving your neighbor. Are not these the three things Jesus asked us to do? So if we're going to follow Jesus, it is as simple as this. Loving God, loving one another, and loving our neighbors. Let's just look at this real quick. These are, these are, the, these are Jesus' commands to us. Up, love God. Let's look at that. Remember somebody asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is? This is what Jesus said. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Matthew 22, 37. Is that a new commandment? No, that's an old commandment. It's, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 5. That's the greatest commandment, to love God. Up. Let's go to out. Love your neighbor. Okay, if that's the greatest commandment, Jesus, what's the second? Jesus says the second greatest commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, who's my neighbor? Well, your neighbor, our neighbors are the people that God has put around us. So Upper Moreland High School, that's our neighbor. 
You have neighbors at work. You have neighbors at school. You have neighbors on your sport team, sports team. Those are the people that God has put around you. Some of them you know. Some of them you don't, you don't know yet. Some of them don't know God. And what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I want you to love them. Love your neighbors. And what's the greatest way we can show love to our neighbors? Is it not to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ? So we love our neighbors. Let's go to N. Love one another. This is where we're at in John chapter 13. Loving God, loving our neighbors, are those new commands? No, those are old commands. You saw the references. Those go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at this in, love one another. Because this, this is new. John 13, 34 through 30, 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. What's he talking about here? He's talking about our love for each other within the community of believers. And this is so important to Jesus, our love for one another, that Jesus actually issues a new command and he bases it on his love for us. And I'm telling you, the world has never seen a love that's like this. So amazing is the love that we have for each other. Jesus says, the world will know you're my, you're my disciples if you love one another. And so let's go back, up and out. It's this simple. This is so powerful. And I hope all of you will, will keep this in your mind. We could sit down together and I could coach you around this tool. How well are you following Jesus? We could look at each three of these areas. Man, how hot is your love for God? How, you know, man, how courageous are you being in your love for your neighbors? Are you a part of a family and experiencing love for one another? This is so powerful. Um, but today, the conversation is about in, this new commandment. And what Jesus is inviting us into is he is inviting us together as a family into deep and meaningful relationships with each other. And when it comes to loving one another, I've heard it said this way, circles are better than rows. Today we're doing rows. But when it comes to loving each other, circles are better than rows. I love rows. I've made my living teaching people in rows, so I'm not against rows. But when it comes to being a family and loving each other, we got to get into circles. And here at Hope, we call them groups. It's where we live life deeply together. And what the blessing, the blessing of getting in a circle and the blessing of simple obedience to Jesus' command is that no matter what you face in life, you will always, always, always have friends, Christian friends, who love you no matter what. And I need that. And I know you need that. And I believe our children need that. Circles are better than rows. It's where we love one another and live life deeply together. So trouble comes, you feel like you're at a loss. Because of Jesus and his love for us, he says, you're not at a loss. You have friends in Christ who love you to death. It's the first thing he's left us with. Second one, trouble comes. Because of Jesus, you have Christians who love you. Number two, you have a Christ you can trust. You have a Christ you can trust. And I remember moving out here, and it was last April, April, sorry, last March. April's when I started. We're moving out here. Got to drive through some awesome states. Nebraska, <laughs> loved that. Iowa. You know, good times. 
stopped at a little town called Bryan, Ohio, spelled Bryan, B-R-Y-A-N, which I was thrilled about, got my picture taken, Bryan, Ohio. Um, but it was, it was me, it was my dad, it was one of my friends, the three of us, trying to move my family out here, trying to make it in under three days, which was really ambitious, and uh, we're going just breakneck speed all day long, and uh, finally we get to the Pennsylvania state line. So pumped. I'm so excited. Um, and uh, you, have to, you have to imagine this situation. It's, uh, it's me and my friend, and we're in a 26-foot moving truck. And uh, behind that moving truck, we've got the car carrier. So I, it's, we're a long, you know, like 26-moving truck, car carrier. One of our cars is on the carrier. Me and my friend are driving that. And I got my dad. He's, he's helping me get out here. And he's in our other car driving behind the moving truck. We cross the Pennsylvania state line. We're like, woohoo, you know, like moment of celebration. And we keep going. We get past Pittsburgh. And there's, there's this no man's land between Pittsburgh and Harrisburg. Right about there, my dad takes off and just blows by us, swings over, flips on his turn signal, and he's like motioning us to get over his side. I'm like, he must really have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so we pull over, we get out of the moving truck, and our car carrier is up in smoke. I mean, it's just, you know, up in smoke. I'm like, oh man, this is not good. Luckily, it's Penske's car carrier. So I give Penske a call. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, no problem, sir. We'll, help. we'll be able to help you out. We'll definitely have somebody there within two or three hours. I'm like, hmm, that's not good. My wife and my kids are flying in, and i got to be at the airport at 3.30. <laughs> so I, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, I don't have two or three hours, um, but I've got three drivers and I've got three vehicles. I'm like, you know what? Abandon ship. <laughs> get the car off the car carrier. I said, hey, I got to go get my wife and my kids. We're just going to leave the car carrier there. And they're like, well, you know, like you're kind of responsible for it. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to trust everything's going to be okay because we can't stay here. We just got to keep moving forward. And aren't there times in your life and trouble comes, you don't understand what's going on. You just got to say, you know what? I can't stay here. I got to trust God, and I got to keep moving forward. Trouble hits every time. It's an opportunity to trust Christ, to keep moving forward. The most powerful words in those moments are to say, God, I trust you. And Jesus says, believe in God. <laughs> Don't let your hearts be troubled. Isn't it amazing that trust Trusting God is what gives us peace in our heart to keep moving forward. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. Was Jesus surprised about this betrayal? Now everybody else was surprised. There was one person in that room who was not surprised, and that was Jesus. And he goes on to say, he says, he says, now the Son of Man is glorified. I would just say if Jesus can get glory in a cross, just imagine what he could do in your life if you trust him. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Peace doesn't come from understanding what's going on in your life. Peace comes from trusting in Jesus Christ. So no matter what you're facing today, 
pain, difficulty, heartache, I want you to know this. You're not at a loss. You have people here who love you. You have Christians who love you. You have a Christ you can trust. Why don't we pray? God, thanks for our time together. Thanks for not leaving us alone in this world or leaving us as orphans. But thank you, God, for loving us in the heartbreak. Thanks for loving us in the failure. Thank you that even when we run from you, God, you're extending your love to us, that your love will never fail or stop. So God, I pray that we would be a family that continues to love each other well. And I pray that each person here is facing pain or heartache or trouble, God, I just ask now, Lord, that you give them the strength to say those powerful words, I trust you. And as they do, God, I pray that peace that is beyond any comprehension or understanding will fill their hearts. I ask that in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus.